from him who loved us and has freed us from our sins to be priests, to serve him, our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Dear Christian friends, sticks and stones might break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Do you know that that little children's rhyme has been around for well over 200 years? And that for just as long, well over 200 years, it's been completely wrong. Words are powerful. I'm pretty sure you've experienced that by now. Right? Words have an amazing power to, to heal, to communicate, to, to lift up, to encourage, and to hurt. They can do some damage, can't they? Words have, have this ability to hurt, to wound in ways that, that no physical wound can actually compare to. It's an emotional, uh, emotional wound, one that, one that takes sometimes a lifetime to heal and is so easily reopened. Sticks and stones might break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That is just simply not true. And that's why our, our world of instant and constant communication could be a little bit of a wild west, a rough and tumble world, maybe even borderline dangerous, not, not physically, but, but emotionally and even spiritually. I mean, go on Twitter at your, at your own risk, right? Throw something out there to the Twitterverse and see what kind of angry and, and hurtful and even hateful responses from people you've never met, from people you don't know that just, they don't like something you said or they're just having a bad day and they light you up for no good reason. Post on a, a community page something that you're trying to be helpful with. Hey, I saw this. Hey, we're doing this. Anybody looking for this? And eventually it'll devolve into some rant by somebody and then that rant will be tangentially ranted about by somebody else and, and that'll end up in a calling names and you're stupid, no, you're stupid, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. It's kind of silly, isn't it? I mean, but words are, are powerful and words can, can do a lot of damage. And so, so what do we talk about? Well, hey, so how's the weather? Ugh, I can hear everybody under 30 rolling their eyes right now, right? Because that's something that old people who have nothing better to talk about do. Ugh. But really, what do you want to talk about then? Should we talk about the, the latest school shooting that hit far too close to home? Should we talk about tariffs, trade wars, prices of things going up as a result? Things that you and I have zero control over? Should we talk about tax returns and subpoenas and, and Robert Miller's like, never-ending report, right? And no matter what side of it you fall on, this thing has been a conversation for over a year and a half. You'd think that there would be an end to this conversation, that we could talk about something else right now. But those are the headlines this week. The biggest news in our country are those topics. So let's talk about them, right? You want to have a conversation? Guess what? You bring up something about one of those topics, and I'm pretty sure you're going to find some disagreement. No matter where you fall on the political spectrum, no matter where you fall in your opinion on this matter or that, 
it's going to be hard to find somebody who goes, yes, 100%, I totally agree. I'm right in line with your thinking. There's probably going to be some pushback, some difference of opinion, some disagreement, and maybe a full-out argument. But let's say that you happen to find somebody that, boy, we are, we are in tune, and we agree 100% on this issue. Is any of that really good news? I mean, do any of those topics bring joy to your life or peace or happiness or hope? Now, that doesn't mean we, we do just talk about nothingness and, and the world is just sunshine and rainbows because it's not. And it's okay. We're, let's be real. Let's talk about these things. These things are real. But let's not just dwell on them like a 24-hour news cycle and just this is the only thing I can think about and the only thing I can talk about because that's what the world does. But we have a different purpose. We get to do something different. And that brings us to our first takeaway this morning. That while I'm surrounded by bad news and fake news, Jesus gives me good news. See, you have some good news. In a world of, of ugh and noise and anger and hate, you have good news. And here's the thing. God has sent you with that good news into your neighborhood, into your home, into your workplace, into all of the people's lives that surround you. We're going to hear about a guy this morning who did just that in our, our Bible reading. His name was Paul. We actually heard about him last week, but last week his name wasn't Paul. His name was Saul. And Saul wasn't a Christian. In fact, he hated Christians. He had made it his, his mission, his life's purpose to find and arrest and throw in prison any Christians he could find. He hated them. He wanted to get rid of them all. Until Jesus stopped him, literally, in his tracks on the way to Damascus to find more Christians to arrest and said, Saul, you've got it all wrong. Why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus. Whoa. And Jesus lovingly pointed out to him, buddy, you've got it mixed up, messed up, that you think you are serving God, you think you are doing God's purpose, but you, you're way off base. You are serving yourself on your own misguided mission, and you're wrong. Three days later, God sent a Christian, one of his messengers, to a man named Ananias to Saul to share with him the good news. Jesus forgives you too, Saul. Even for persecuting Jesus. Even for, for trying to arrest people for no other reason than that they trust in Jesus as their Savior. Jesus died to pay for that. And then Saul said, I want to be baptized. And Ananias had that privilege of, of sharing the word of God connected to the water and the sacrament of baptism. And what an amazing thing that is. And so Saul changed his name. Because... His purpose was different. His identity was different. He was no longer Saul, persecutor of Christians. He was now Paul, preacher of Jesus Christ. And so he went around then to different churches, right? Different synagogues in different cities and towns and villages. And he found people who were reading the word of God together. And he said, hey, let me help you understand what that word of God is all about. That word of God is all about 
Jesus. And he showed them how Jesus is the fulfillment of all of the scriptures. And that's what we find him doing this morning in a city called Antioch. Let's take a look in Acts chapter 13, beginning at verse 5, or excuse me, verse 15. After the reading from the law and the prophets, the leaders of the synagogue sent word to them saying, brothers, if you have a word of encouragement for the people, please speak. So the leaders in a synagogue, they weren't pastors and they weren't priests, they were They were regular people. They were leaders, but it was their responsibility to make sure that there was somebody to read from the scriptures on Sunday or on the Sabbath. And then if there was somebody who was who was qualified, who who had the ability to share a message from God's word, to do so. And whether they had heard about Paul, knew about his his religious training or not, for some reason they asked him, Hey, you and your your buddies there, do you have something to share with us from God's word? But did you notice what they actually asked them? They asked for a word of encouragement. Probably isn't all that surprising for us, is it? I mean, I would hope that there's, there's an element of the reason you come here today is, is for some encouragement. Because we, we live in a world of chaos, right? Of, of lives that are just filled with busyness that are stretched to the max with bills to pay and errands to run and and this place to get to and that place to go to. And and we're pulled in so many directions and we're stretched so thin and there's just, ah, the world seems like a mess and I I could really use just, just a little encouragement, just a little something, something to keep me going. So what would you like to hear? If somebody asked you, hey, you got any encouragement for me? I was kind of curious. So I, I turned to the old Google machine, words of encouragement, and, and I swung through the, the Hallmark aisle over at Walmart. Let me share you, with you some of what passes for encouragement. So here's a sympathy card, sending you heartfelt sympathy, the loss of a loved one, right? At such a time, there isn't much anyone can say. But many thoughts go out to you in sympathy today. And many hearts are hoping you'll find strength and comfort too in knowing others share the loss of one so dear to you. Okay. It's kind of sad that there's nothing I can say, but okay. Take a look at this one. It's a get well card. Thinking of you. Warm thoughts are little hellos to keep you company and friendly reminders that somebody cares. Please remember that every day, in every way, warm thoughts are there with you. Get well soon. All right, here's here's a third one. Good vibes, good thoughts, good wishes. Sending them all your way. Hope you're feeling well soon. Oh, good. They didn't even use well. Be gentle. Here's this is the one that was online. Be gentle with yourself. You're doing the best you can. I mean, that's literally what popped up when I wrote words of encouragement in Google. Is this encouraging? Hey, you know, you're really not very good. But it's okay, because you're not very good. I don't know about you, but nothing in there is really all that encouraging, is it? It's it's just kind of pithy and trite sayings. And I hope none of you write for Hallmark or have a loved one that does. And, 
let's be honest, their hands are kind of tied because today in this world, what do you say? What's the encouragement you can give if it doesn't come back to God? Well, there isn't much, is there? Boy, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about you. I'm, I'm hoping for you. I'm wishing. But they're just kind of empty. They're meaningless. And that brings us to our second takeaway this morning that, let's be honest, most encouragement that I hear, it's merely nice-sounding but meaningless words. I mean, when you're, when you're just torn up because a loved one has died, boy, I, I feel bad for you. Okay. That card that says there's really not much to say, I'd like it if you'd just be there for me, right? And, and let's talk and let's share some, some memories or comfort of some kind, but there's not much to say. Ouch. Or, or if you're feeling lost, you're feeling broken, and, and someone comes to you and says, who, who really doesn't have a clue of what you're feeling and says, it's all going to be okay. You know what that actually feels like? Not encouragement. At best, it feels like empty words. And at worst, it feels like a straight-up lie. And that's why encouragement, this kind of encouragement, it really doesn't do much to encourage, does it? So, if you're in Paul's shoes, and you're asked, hey, you got any encouragement for us? What do you say? Well, let's listen to what he said. Standing up, Paul motioned with his hand and said, Fellow children of Abraham and you God-fearing Gentiles, it's to us that this message of salvation has been sent. The people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus. Yet in condemning him, they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. Though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. When they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he was seen by those who had traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to our people. We tell you the good news. What God promised our ancestors, he has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. As it is written in the second Psalm, You are my son, today I have become your father. Now, maybe that doesn't sound like, you know, what we picture as encouragement, at least not on the surface. In, in the verses between 16 and 26, the section we skipped, Paul lays out, reminds them how God had, had promised a Savior repeatedly, how he had rescued his people and said, I'm going to send a Savior. And how Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise, how Jesus is that Savior. But there was a problem. Because, well, those same Jewish leaders that, that heard these promises, that read these prophecies, they completely missed what this was about. Instead of looking for a capital S Savior who is going to save them from their sins, who is going to bring them salvation and forgiveness and eternal life, they were looking for a, a small S Savior who was going to rescue them from taxes and from hunger and from, from physical, earthly enemies. And because of that, they completely missed who Jesus was and why he had come. 
That's why we heard them ask, if you're the Messiah, tell us plainly. Right? They, they just couldn't grasp. But this is not at all what the Messiah is supposed to be. This is not what he's supposed to do. It didn't make sense. And so what did they do? Well, they fulfilled all the words that they heard and read every week. They condemned Jesus to death. They killed him. But he didn't stay dead. Right? God raised him up from the dead, is what Paul said. And that's the good news. That's the good news that, that God then sent out witnesses with, right? Witnesses of dozens and, and hundreds even that walked with him, talked with him, ate with him. Like not just a, a fleeting glimpse up in the sky, but, but living with him. Jesus really, truly is alive. That's the good news. But that's not always what, what passes for good news. Sometimes even in, in Christian circles, is it? I mean, we tend to get caught up in, well, let's, let's put together some steps of how we should live. And, and that's okay. There's a time and a place for that. But sometimes that takes the place of the good news. To make the message of Christianity all about you and all about getting rid of sin in your life instead of being reminded that Jesus did that very thing. That he took all of the sin in your life, in your heart, in your mind, and he died for it all. It makes, it makes the message of your life about your performance rather than Jesus' perfection. And there's steps and there's programs and and again, there's a place for this when we're sure, when we're reminded, when we're absolutely comforted and certain that I know the good news. Jesus died and rose for me. But the danger is that the good news is replaced with that message. And here's why it's bad. Because when it's all about you, and it's all about performance, and it's all about how well or not you're doing. It sounds kind of like that card that said, you know, you're doing the best you can, so just be gentle. Because when it's all about you should be doing this and you should be living this way and you should be thinking this and you should be acting like this and you should be loving like this, no matter who they are and whether they love you or not, love your enemies, Jesus said. How you doing? Because if it's about my performance... Now it's a little scary. That's not really good news. That's not really encouragement because all it's doing is reminding me, man, I need, to, I need to really step up. I need to get with the program. I'm, I'm kind of failing. See, that's not really good news because all it does is remind us of our failure and, and there's a really dangerous temptation that it makes our relationship with God about how well I perform rather than about trusting in Jesus and him alone. And then that leads to the danger of either false pride that, boy, I'm doing pretty good today, or false despair and guilt that I am a mess. None of that is good news. None of that encourages. And that's why Paul ended these verses with this message. Notice what he says in verse 32. You want it? Here it comes. We tell you the good news. What God promised our ancestors, he's fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. 
That's the good news. God promised it a long time ago. He's going to send a Savior, and here he is. Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise. And Jesus died for you. And Jesus rose for you. And here's why you can be confident of that. Because that's why he quotes from Psalm 2, right? He's referring to, he's reminding that God the Father approves of what Jesus did. Jesus really is the Savior. He really is God. And you can really be sure of that because he's alive. Because if God the Father sent Jesus on this mission to save us, to to accomplish the work of salvation, to pay for all sin, to conquer sin and the devil, and Jesus didn't do that, he would still be in the grave. But he's not. God raised him to assure you and me Jesus accomplished what he came for. He saved us. He's alive because he's our Savior and he is true God. God is showing us that Jesus did exactly what we needed. He fulfilled God's promise. And that's the good news. It's the message that Paul knew. And it's the message that Paul went out with, right? And it's the message that you know. And it's the message that God sends you with. It's that good news that is our third takeaway this morning. The good news that we share and the encouragement that we give is the message of salvation. Jesus died for you. Jesus rose from the dead. There's a problem, though. The problem is that the devil messes with us. He messes with us and and gets us to think, but that's not what people want to hear. They want to hear steps. They want to hear programs. They certainly don't want to hear of brokenness and failure and sin. They want to hear something else. But he's a liar. Jesus tells us that. And so God wants us to know, don't listen to that because there's good news for you and there's good news that you have that every single living, breathing human being needs. It's Jesus. Let me give you an example. Two weeks ago, after worship, everything was picked up, cleaned up, put in the trailer, trailer's gone. And I was looking for the building guy here just to let him know, hey, we're done. We're heading out. You can lock the doors. Thanks for, thanks for hanging out with us today. And I saw him and I just said, hey, how's it going today? And his answer was, not good. My mom died. I don't know this guy very well. I don't know if he's a Christian I don't know if his mom was a Christian. I see him for a few minutes, a couple of times a month, maybe. So what do you say? Oh, man, I'm really sorry to hear that. You're in my thoughts and prayers. That's the easy way out, right? That's the sympathy card way. And it's not wrong. It's not bad. But it's not really good news, and it's not really encouraging. And since I had just preached about Jesus, and it's a week after Easter... I just said, hey, you know what Jesus says? That that everybody who trusts in him has hope and has life. And it's my prayer that you'll find that comfort, that, that Jesus gives eternal life. And he said, 
She was a believer. I hope she's in a better place. Which left me a little conflicted. And I just said, if she believed in Jesus as her Savior, she is. She's in heaven. And we heard from Revelation 7 what that means, right? No more sadness, no more pain, no more suffering. This place of eternal good news. But you know what's silly? Later that afternoon, I was was rethinking that conversation. I was going, man, did I say the right thing? I was second-guessing myself, even though I shouldn't have been. And and then I came into school a couple of days later for an event, and and he was here, and I just kind of bumped into him in the hall, and I said, hey, I've been praying for you. I I hope you're doing okay. And he said, it's been tough. But I wanted to say thanks. I said, for what? And he said, your words the other day, they really helped. Again, I don't know if he's a Christian. I don't know if he trusts in Jesus as his Savior. But I do know that he needs the same thing that everybody needs. And not just some generic good news, not just some greeting card kind of encouragement, but it's the good news. The good news that Jesus is the Savior, the good news that Jesus died and he rose, the good news that we have life and salvation in him. It's the good news. And God gives it to you and now he sends you out to be a light. In a world of of bad, in a world of sad, you get to share good. God bless you. Amen. May the peace of our God, which goes beyond our understanding, guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.